0: Now is the time to join the D.C. family. Secure your season ticket membership for the 2020-2021 season today for as little as $100 per seat and lock in all the exclusive benefits of D.C. 12 Club membership. Visit dc12club.com to learn more. That's dc12club.com. Wizards fans, welcome to another edition of Off the Bench presented by the Alibaba Group. Zach Rosen here uh, with Chris Gehring. And we've got an exciting episode for you today as we've got details for the start of the 2020 21 season. And we're also going to talk to Bleacher Reports' Jonathan Wasserman about the draft, which is coming up in eight days. It's coming up quickly. But turns out uh, <laughs> the draft isn't the only thing that's right around the corner, Chris. Last night, uh, about midnight, we got. Uh, the NBA released that the NBA and NBA uh, PA have come to uh, an agreement on uh, ratifying the CBA and agreed on the start of the season for December twenty second. Um, so I'll kick it over to you. The, the timeline that we've got it's it's coming rapidly. Today is November tenth. Just keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, it is coming fast. I mean, we will have the draft on November eighteenth. Free agency negotiations will begin. On November twentieth, and then we'll start hearing about agreements and and start being able to make announcements. I would imagine uh, a day or two later, probably, and then the season will start on December twenty second. So, um, happy holidays, NBA fans! We will have we will have uh, our traditional opening holidays uh, right around actual holidays this year. So it's just going to be it's going to come um, hot and heavy here, and it's exciting though. I mean we. We've been wondering when it would be, if it would be maybe January, if it was going to be a quick turnaround. I've seen all over Twitter, and it's a really good point, half the league has not played in, in hundreds of days, um, have not had any kind of – they've had, been able to have team activities, but there's so many players that – obviously we just watched the NBA finals, but there's so much of the league uh, that has probably been off from competitive basketball for the longest they've ever been. <laughs> in their lives, like since they picked up about, since they picked up a ball. So it's all going to be super interesting. I think what, what will come of it is that teams are going to be, I mean, I think the level might be a little, might be interesting at the beginning, but teams are going to be fired up to be back. And I think what's going to happen on December 22nd and forward is we're going to see some really, really exciting games right off the bat because players are just chomping at the bit to get back. And, um, it's just it's exciting it's going to be a a, a sprint um but it, it'll be it'll be exciting and, and here we go we'll start with the draft we'll have a new player and then we'll get right into camp i mean two weeks later we'll be in camp and we'll see john and brad and troy Rui, every everybody back together uh, it, it'll be really exciting especially for the wizards who have not had this group together and ready for a full season uh, in quite some time and and John Wall is a huge part of that, and it'll be incredibly exciting for Wizards fans to see him back.
0: Yeah, not, not only has John Wall now played, and it'll be about two years to his return, Bradley Beal hasn't played since March. <laughs> um, and yeah. it, it's going to be a lot of fun to see them come back together. Obviously, we don't know what you know what's going to happen with fans and arenas yet and, and safety protocols, but there's clearly going to be a lot of changes this season. Um, but, you know, as we always do, we will bring you all the coverage necessary that we can um, have that access so you can feel like you are right there with the team. Um, before we get to our interview with Jonathan Wasserman from Bleach Report, uh, we just want to remind you that we have no inside info about the draft, um, but we did, you know, discuss some some sleepers, some, you know, potential options at number nine for the Wizards with Uh, Jonathan, who has been one of the the veterans on the NBA draft beat for a long time. He worked at NBA DraftNet, uh, which is, you know, a pretty legitimate source that people go to. Um, And now he's at Bleacher Report, really sourcing through a lot of reports and and, uh, projections. So um, we're looking forward uh, to having you guys listen. Uh, Again, it's in eight days. It's going to be virtual. It's going to be way different than anything we've ever done before. Um, And, you know, we'll talk about the draft a little bit more leading up to it. But me I mean I'm just looking forward to I feel like the draft now is going to be you know all right let's get going I mean behind the scenes we're working like we're getting going for the year already I mean we have to be ready for a season in a little over a month and a half at this point so um but to to have the draft kind of be the catalyst that's really what we're looking forward to
1: yeah it's a calendar that we've never had before but I think once we get when we get that, when we get those new players, potentially, the Wizards also the 37th pick. When we get to potentially two new guys in the door, we get free agency sorted out and we have the team ready to go. Uh, the, the fun part about it is we won't have to wait long uh, to see them all on the court together. And you know, usually you have to wait a whole summer. You get a, you get a taste at summer league and then have to wait longer to the fall. Um, we are going to have none of that. We'll, we'll have everybody on the floor quickly together. And, you know, we we've, had, had some content from guys that have been working out together already, which is, which is awesome to see. And, and it's going to be incredibly valuable. These guys that have been on the floor together, John, uh, Thomas, Troy, um, Isak Bonga, the, the, the time that they're spending together now is going to be invaluable because camp is going to come quickly and they're going to need to gel fast. And, you know, 10 games less, the 72 game schedule is, it's still, I would say, it's, it's almost a completely representative schedule. But it is ten fewer games that you have to work with when you're a team that has playoff aspirations. They, they, will, they will need to hit the ground running, and they know that. And I think all that time that we're seeing them spend together now is, is going to be really important. It's just, it gives you less, um, less leeway in, in having a bad run, having a, a long stretch of, of tough games. Uh, we'll see what the schedule ends up looking like. That's the other thing that I'm very curious to see. Um, where we're going, uh, how long we'll be on the road versus at home, how the NBA tries to to build in COVID precautions to the, to this year's schedule, um, with a whole new challenge of obviously probably not being in a bubble and and traveling around the country. So there's a whole lot to, that remains to be seen, and obviously we'll we'll break it all down as we as we learn. Um, we'll all be learning it together, and we'll all be getting ready for it together. So it's an exciting time. It's going to be crazy, but um, Once we have NBA back and then the whole league back, I think everybody's going to be really, really excited to see how this season plays out.
0: Without a doubt. Um, Well, without further ado, we're going to get to Jonathan Wasserman from Bleacher Report, who's going to talk to us about the draft. And as always, our draft coverage is presented by GEICO. All right, joining us now, the lead NBA scout and draft writer for Bleacher Report, Jonathan Wasserman. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us. at The draft, you know, we're only a week away now. It's getting exciting.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, it feels like it's been, you know, 10 years since uh, they've been, they played a game and, and um, I'm looking forward to November 18th. I'm looking forward to November 19th, honestly, when it's all over and we don't have to talk about the same guys over and over again, but my curiosity level is, is pretty high after, uh, after all this time
0: are you going to bed at this point just reciting their names and their, their height and weight and wingspan, you know, waking up the wife and everything with, with it?
2: Yeah, no, I have, uh, I have dreams about, about wingspans and, and about uh, now these new measurements come in and, and, um, and testing numbers and yeah, it's constantly on my mind, but uh, I'll have a new batch of players to think about um, pretty soon because college basketball starts like a week after the draft, which is pretty bizarre, but. But uh, yeah, there's uh, I've had a lot of players going through my head over the past couple months.
1: How much? How much has this? I mean, obviously, this process and this timeline is completely different. But how much do you think teams, scouts, are like going back on their homework and being like, mm, "Do we really think this about you know X, Y, and Z?" Or you know, I feel like everybody has their set of of criteria. Yeah. But how, how much has, have people been going back and forth, do you think? Or do you think boards have been set for a while and they're just kind of tinkering with it based on, based on the, like you said, a few new metrics that are coming in?
2: Yeah, boards have been set. And then I think guys can you know, raise a couple spots here and there based on the new information. And I think the biggest thing is, is these interviews because during the year, you, know, you don't really get to talk to the players and get a feel for who they are. And I think that's the, the biggest thing that comes from the pre-draft process. You know, I don't know how much stock teams really put into whether a guy's like like 6'8 or 6'9 or whether he's got a 42-inch vertical versus 41. But I think uh, the interviews are what could move the needle for a player. And, listen, over the past six months, yeah, teams have, have, have gone back and reviewed tape. I know that most teams I've talked to have given their scouts like a month off and just said, you know, stop watching tape. Just, you know, clear your mind. Because after a while, your mind starts playing tricks on you. You start you know, rewatching the same film and coming up with new opinions, which you probably shouldn't be doing. You probably shouldn't be making you know, major changes to your evaluation uh, during a six-month period where they're not even playing. So I, I, think, I think having off was a good thing, and I, I think a couple teams have done that, at least that I've spoken to. But, uh, yeah, the, all you could really do is go back and watch watch the games again, and then, again, talk to the players. And I think that's the biggest thing. that that scouts get out of the pre-draft process.
0: It's almost like studying for the most important test of your life for like (laughs) way too long and you just overthink everything and you almost like lose track of, you know, the details. And I'm sure that that time off that some teams have taken was beneficial. Um, You know, we, we of course, can't really project exactly what the wizards are going to do. If that's not our job, not, you know, within our, our boundaries, but for you, you know, looking at the team at nine um, and what kind of player they should be looking at. And maybe just, you know, some ideas that, that have come across your head. And I know in your mock draft, you've had uh, Aniaka Kongwu there, um, like a lot of teams have, or a lot of outlets have. Um, but for you, you know, what, what do you see for the Wizards at nine?
2: So, I mean, I know it's a cliche, and easier said than done, but of course, I think the Wizards are just, should not really put much stock into positions and needs and, and, you know they just they're kind of stuck in the middle of, you know right now with with their Bradley Beal on a little bit of a different timeline than some of the younger guys and and so uh, you know if it was meet and control of the team i wouldn't worry about positions or, or needs however um, it's tough to know who the best player available is going to be at number 9 in this draft with so much uncertainty and so you do kind of have to factor in okay who can fit what we already have best and and i think Okongu would be a dream get for Washington, uh, given their, their defensive needs. I think they were number 29 in defense last year and they could use some rim protection a big time athlete like Okongwu around the basket, but also somebody who I don't think gets enough credit for his offensive game. And somebody I think Washington could feed the ball to in the half court and say, go get me, you know, a high percentage shot. And that's kind of what surprised me about Okongwu this year is how good of a shot creator he was inside the key area um and, and his footwork and his off hand and so uh, he's number three on my board but because he plays center and because there's a lot of parity in this draft i think a guy like that could drop if a team like atlanta you know figures okay they already have capella the knicks already have mitchell robinson okongu could drop another guy who comes to mind is, is isaac okoro who um would also feel a need with his defensive toughness in the middle and and there are some questions about his shooting and maybe that could allow him to drop to number nine and to me he's a a good fit right next to Rui Hachimura. And then, uh, and then Devin Vassell is, is probably the last name that comes to mind in terms of guys who will be in their range and who fill a need with this shooting and defense.
1: Yeah. It seems, it seems like, I mean, the one thing that the was the luxury that the wizards have is that you have guys like John Wall, Bradley Beal, uh, certainly Rui. And then you have, you've started to build those role players like Troy Brown and Thomas Bryant that have started to contribute you can you can find – you can kind of – it gives you more options because you have less major holes to fill. You have less usage to fill. And it seems like they're going to have options either, you know, maneuver on the draft board, take a player at nine that can help them. There seems to be a, a variety of guys that can help in different ways. And um, I'm just curious. I mean, I guess every team is different, but the the best player on the board – Scenario in the NBA, especially, it seems like that can play out better for teams kind of no matter what. Um, When you take, when you just take the best player that's there, do you agree with that, or do you think that, um, you know, certain teams really do need to hone in on one or two needs no matter who's on the board?
2: I think it really depends on where the franchise is and, and if they're looking to, you know, win a championship right away. And sometimes that factors into it. But for a team like the Wizards, I mean, and a lot of young guys like Rui and Troy and Good young prospects, but we really don't know how good they're going to be. I mean, there's still a lot of uncertainty with their trajectory. Like, is really going to be an all star or just a good solid, you know, foreman? And, and Troy Brown, like, you know, is he just a good role player or is he? So, you, just because you don't know, you can't really shy away from wings because Troy Brown is on your team, you know? And so, I think for the most part, teams really do just kind of try and block out the outside no, noise and, and create a ranking system and ignore everything else and just take the guy who's highest on their board. And like, you know, it reminds me of like Jason Tatum going to Boston, right? They already had, um, they already had Brown, Jalen Brown. So on paper, you're like, okay, they already have Jalen Brown. Do they need Tatum? But imagine if they passed on Tatum because they already had Jalen Brown or, or Miami back in the day when they had Hassan Whiteside and he was their franchise center. They still took Bam out of bio. Imagine if they passed on Bam because Whiteside was already there. So I, usually, you, I think from a logic standpoint, you just have to take the best guy there. You'll figure out fit later on in in, in the rebuilding process.
0: Who are some of your sleepers, um, you know, whether it be first round, second round, um, I feel like, especially after, you know, maybe pick 20, there's a lot of uncertainty um, or maybe even the lottery uh, for all we know at this point. But I, I feel like a lot of teams have different draft boards after maybe the top 10.
2: Yeah. So I think one of the strengths of this draft is, you know, the 18 to 40 range. I think you can, I think the guy at 40 could be number 18 on another team's board. I think it's that close. And so um, a lot of names come to mind. And and just to kind of talk about this draft in general, uh, I think there's going to be stars in this draft and and they could be later on in the process. And it's just very tough to identify who they're going to be. My favorite guys are Malachi Flynn, San Diego state, who's probably going to go somewhere in the late first round, uh, just highly skilled and, and really intelligent and pesky on defense and somebody who I know is not very big or athletic, but I think we've seen too many point guards in recent years be able to overcome physical challenges with skill and IQ. And uh, and to me, Malachi Flynn is a guy you want to bet on overcoming um, those physical limitations. Uh, Desmond Bain from TCU is somebody who I know is popular on draft Twitter, and he's uh, 6'5", three straight years, over 40% from three, improved as a playmaker this year, I think, between his shooting, his passing IQ, his defensive IQ, he's just an easy fit anywhere you look. Um, I really like Skylar Mays from LSU as somebody who's going to be there in the mid-second round. I haven't really heard a lot of buzz on Skylar Mays, but I have him ranked in the early 20s, actually, and kind of a guy who reminds me of Malcolm Brogdon coming out of Virginia. We questioned his athleticism. What position does he play? I think that's kind of overthinking it. He's just a very crafty player, a smart player, and he wasn't he doesn't pan out in basketball. I mean, he's going to be a doctor. That's the type of guy he is. And so um, I I love his versatility and his intelligence. Those three guys come to mind, but I mean, we could really have the sleeper conversation for another hour. There's just a lot of guys who I think are, are, hold a lot of value as as late first round, early second round picks in this draft.
0: So as much as this draft, you know, people are saying, not great on paper and all that, but people like you who have really studied, you know, those second round, you know, late first round guys are, you know, interested to see where do these guys go? How, how do my projections compare probably compared to most years?
2: Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of the 2013 draft, right? At the, t- at the top of the board, we didn't know who was going to go one. Uh, and I'm not saying that whoever goes one is going to be Anthony Bennett, but CJ McCollum, you know, ends up being a stud and Rudy Aubert goes 27 and Giannis was the MVP know as the 15th pick and and Schroeder turned out to be a decent player and Steven Adams became a hundred million dollar center and like those guys we just never really thought of as stars before the draft but a couple years go by and and you kind of get surprised so uh, I I just think it's it's there are going to be stars in this draft they're just tough to identify at this point
1: yeah and it's certainly it's so difficult too because I feel like a lot of times late in the draft you tend to see maybe older college players that just got off of a run in March Madness. that so You have name recognition that's just not there now. And it'll be just, I'm curious to see, you look at a lot of big boards in the 37th, well, the Wizards hold the 37th pick in the second round. But when you look around that area and you look at big boards, there's a lot of college names that you if you follow college basketball, you've been used to hearing about for a few more years now than the freshmen and the, the newcomers in the draft that are that are going straight to the league, so to speak. And I'm just curious to see who those juniors and seniors are that will be able to make that jump quicker and maybe be uh, role players or you know fill some holes really quickly um, as opposed to as opposed to the guys at the top of the draft where you have a you have a higher expectation. You have that star expectation.
2: Sure. I mean the, the Michigan State guys come to mind, Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman, those guys Just like come off as NBA ready role players who, uh, you know, play to their strengths. Winston is just gonna run the offense, make good decisions, knock down open shots. I don't see why he can't do that right away. Tillman, he's not gonna score a lot, but his job is to just make defensive reads and roll to the basket and time his cuts right and be an efficient offensive player and good passer. I think those two guys could be rotation players right away. Peyton Pritchard is generating some first round buzz and a guy who averaged 25 and 5 last year at Oregon and, and, um, another guy you could just picture if he goes to a good team or even a bad team, who's where he's going to get more minutes, That's somebody who can give you 15, 20 tough minutes off the bench. Um, I mean, even uh, Grant Riller to me from Charleston is one of the sleepers of this draft. He sounds like he's going to be there in the second round. And to me, if he's there in the second round, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm wetting my lips at drafting a guy like him who 20 points back to back years, 60% true shooting percentage in, in three of the four years, totally efficient Who just, you know, the knock on him was he played in a crappy division, a crappy conference, I should say. And uh, to me, a lot of value there. And somebody who can come in right away, put points on the board. Uh, Paul Reed from DePaul is a late pick. Is somebody who's played three years in college. And I think is a, a big time defender and and somebody who could just, if you, if you put him in a role to play to his strengths and don't ask him to do too much, he can find a way to make an impact. Jordan Warr from Louisville is a shot maker. I don't care if, if nothing else translates about war's game. He's 6'8", and a big-time shooter. Somebody who can come in and just spread the floor, catch and shoot, run off screens. So there's definitely older players in this draft who are going to be there in the second round who who can who can make an impact uh, sooner than later.
0: My last question for you is, how do you think this quick turnaround uh, with free agency, and you know we always have the undrafted list that get picked up, and then they get invited to training camp, and we don't know what the future of the G League really is. How do you think that's kind of impacting how teams are strategizing this draft? Are they more willing to go for a guy just to make sure they get him and he doesn't sign with someone else quickly? And, you know, do you think there've been even more talks than usual for undrafted guys to, to get signed right away?
2: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I kind of feel bad for the undrafted guys because they don't have summer league to make a case for themselves. And how many times do we see a guy in summer league who wasn't picked, like make a team? Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I don't really know how, how it's how it's all gonna play out. I do know I've heard because of the quick turnaround, I've heard some teams mention they're putting more stock into, you know, intangibles or guys who can who they expect to give them quicker results because they're not gonna have the time to uh to, to work on their games, get acclimated. And man, to think that the season's gonna start December twenty second is pretty crazy. It's obviously unprecedented Um, I don't have a ton of confidence in in how this is all going to play out, but uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting study.
0: Well, college hoops are starting soon. You'll flip the page to the 2021 draft class, and uh, we got the double draft, it looks like, coming up soon too. So you're going to be busy the next couple of years, Mm -hmm. but we appreciate you coming on. Um, Anything that you want to plug for our listeners?
2: Uh, We got content coming out probably every day until draft night. Um, you know, mock drafts, big boards, both of the, the final editions of those coming out. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll try and keep everybody updated on what I'm hearing, which is a lot of noise from all over the place. It's unlike any draft I can remember covering in terms of everybody saying something different. So it should make for a pretty interesting and, and uh, unpredictable November 18th.
0: Awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Jonathan.
2: Yep. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Thanks,
1: Jonathan. Take care.